You're listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. Blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, nothing but the blood. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad that you're here this morning and uh, excited to worship along with you. Um, As you know, as we've been uh, recently in the book of Luke and uh, and we've been walking through this book, um, I've been excited about the what is typically called the cost of discipleship passage that we find ourselves in in Luke chapter 14. That's what we've been looking at recently, this section of the cost of discipleship. And we're going to be there for about a month in those verses of what it really looks like to follow Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus lays out the true cost of, of following him. And you should see my office. I got books everywhere um, because I'm just so excited um, to continue on in that section and to share with you what's in that passage, what the Lord Jesus is doing, and what he's calling you to if you are to truly be one of his disciples. Um, he makes it plain into what it looks like to truly be his disciple. And so I can't wait to share that with you. And uh, we have about three more weeks of that. And I just encourage you, starting next week as we move into that, not to miss a week of that series, the rest of that passage that we're in. But I want to be a church where we can pivot. We can pivot when we need to and give instruction on the Bible in any particular area that's necessary for us. And uh, so I might, even in a a little while, I won't tell you when because I don't know, We'll maybe turn and look at, uh, maybe have another interruption in the book of Luke and turn and look at what the church biblically is called to be, supposed to be. What is the church in the Bible? What does that even mean? Do we have the right picture of it? And what should it look like? What shouldn't it look like? Who's called to lead it? Who's not? And et cetera. I would be excited to do that, and we might do that in the, in the coming days um, and maybe take another break from the book of, of Luke to do that. But today, in light of the fact that this, at the end of this service, we're going to be promoting some of the children um, to the next step in our milestone journey um, as children of members here uh, are going to be taking a step in that milestone pathway. In light of that being today, I really think it's important that we do a bit of a survey and instruction from the from the word about children in corporate worship or really children being connected to the corporate gathering, you could say, or, or even further children just and the church body. What is that biblically called uh, supposed to look like? And um, or you could even say, how does that fit in with the family, with parents, children connected to their family and connected to the corporate body? What is that even supposed to look like? And I want to study some of that connection today. So, as to serve a, a bit of a launching pad for us, would you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4? Proverbs 4, and this is going to serve as a bit of a launching pad for us into this message. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4, starting in verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive 
that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forsake, do not forget and do not Turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom that is. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a gar- a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. And your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. What an incredible chapter. These are a father's instructions to his son. And not only the instructions, but the blessings that come along with following his instructions. And not only the blessings, but the consequences of forsaking them. And we see what a great picture of a a father instructing a child, spiritually counseling his child to the Lord, as is the primary responsibility of fathers, of parents, for their children. 
And when you read this passage, it, it's a far way off. It feels like a far way off from what we see currently. It feels almost foreign to read these words. It's not at all what it looks like today. As parents being the primary disciplers of their children, being equipped to do so, seeing their role as that and fulfilling that role with the help of others. And so we see the stats are staggering. You know them. But I wonder if we're truly concerned about the statistics because I think, and it saddens me to say, but I think that most of the men and parents together would be okay with their child receiving that sports scholarship for their freshman year and the six-figure career than they would about their child being connected to the body of Christ their freshman year, coming to true saving faith and being used by God to make disciples. I think we would be more excited about the first thing than the latter. And I think that this needs to change. Parents are called by the Lord to be the primary disciplers of their children. And to understand this, it deals with a few aspects. It deals with the connection of the family to the child, and it deals with the connection to the local church. And so I want to ask the questions today, and I want to do a little bit of a survey and get instruction from the Word of God as to what this is all supposed to look like, what it's all supposed to be, how it's all supposed to work, that we might have clear understanding and knowledge and conviction so that we can stand on it. So let's start here. I want to start with the idea that parents should care about our children being connected to the body of Christ. Let's start here as we move in a bit of a survey to receive instruction from the Lord in his word about this topic. I want to start with this. Parents, we should care. You should care about being connected to the your child being connected to the body of Christ. This is true of parents who know the Lord. If you are saved, if you are a born again believer, if you have the spirit of God in you and the word of God is your instruction, then you should care. That's one of the that's one of the results of being a born again believer, of being saved, of knowing Christ. You should care about your child being connected to the body of Christ. That's that is an evidence of a regenerate person. If you don't care about that, you should ask some serious questions about your salvation. That would be an overflow of someone who truly knows the Lord. They, their heart would be broken to not have their child connected to the body of Christ. Their heart would be broken. There's no way they would live like that. Now, when we talk about parents who care about their children being connected to the body of Christ... I think biblically, there's two aspects of that. And the first is their child being connected to the saved church. That's the body of Christ. Parents who know Christ care about their children being connected to the body of Christ through salvation. That's a desire of one who knows the Lord. Paul writes this. This is what happens when we are saved. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. 
So when we are born again by the Spirit of God, we are put into the body of Christ. The word baptize or, to, or, or baptism means to immerse in, to put into. So that's the idea. When you're born again, when someone is born again, they are placed into the body of Christ through salvation. That's the church, the true church. Saved people, to say it plainly. That's the true church. And as soon as you come to know Christ, you're in the true church. You're born again. You're saved. You're baptized, placed into, immersed in the body of Christ. And my first word to you saved parents is that you should care about your child becoming connected to the body of Christ, to the saved church. This is what saved parents care about. And the word instructs parents in this way. A truly born again parent follows these instructions. A truly saved parent knows the truth about their child's standing before God. Guilty. Sinner. Their need to recognize and understand their sin. To agree with God about it. To believe that Christ died for their sin, to turn away from their sin, to trust in Christ, to be regenerate through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and then to live according to the word of God for the rest of their life. A truly born again parent knows that and so strives towards this end. Paul writes in Ephesians 6 for fathers, and I think it applies to both parents, but fathers are to lead out in this. You are to bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction. Your two, your two goals in your parenting, godly parenting. But I want you to notice this. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of who? The Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus Christ. Your discipline and instruction is the discipline and instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through that instruction and your, the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the child, the heart of the child can be born again and then placed into the body of Christ. The instruction of the Lord. You raise your child to follow Christ. And in that way, they become connected to the body of Christ. Now, in addition to this, you as parents should care about your child being connected to the local assembly. To the local assembly. That is also the body of Christ. A truly saved parent cares about their child being connected to the church, the body of Christ through salvation. And the, the truly saved parent cares about their child being connected to the local assembly. The body of Christ. In all of the New Testament, you never see a Christian who is not connected to other believers. Never. Never. You never see a Christian who is on their own, on an island, except for John when he was on an island. And he wrote the book of Revelation due to the persecution. Whenever believers are gathered, that's a church. Whenever true believers are gathered under biblical eldership who are qualified through the word of God, and through the authority of the word. So you, whenever believers are gathered together under the, the shepherds, the teachers who are governed by the word of God as the primary authority, that's a church. That's a church and that's what we're called to be connected to. Whenever there are truly saved people gathered under the authority of God's word, that's a church, that's a local assembly. And that's the way Christ governs his people. Think about this. You got, you, you've got born-again believers. And through local gatherings, Christ edifies his church, equips his church, keeps his church pure, does damage control, so to speak. And as all of them 
are under the authority of the word and are conformed to the image of Christ, the whole church globally grows and matures and is equipped and becomes more like Christ. It's an incredible picture. And this is what it's supposed to look like biblically. You have Ephesians 4 tell us that, there's, that there are elders, there are, are shepherds, there are teachers. And that's their primary role to equip the saints. We just have different roles. My role is to teach. If I don't do this and I'm out and about doing your role, then who's going to do this role? No better than you. It's just the role. And your role is to be equipped according to Ephesians chapter 4. And as you're equipped, you minister to each other. And as you minister to each other, the whole body is built up. So you go out and you share your faith. That's, you're equipped to do that. And you're equipped primarily to minister to each other, to build each other up. That's the call of, of, the, of the church. You need to do that. Forgive each other, rebuke one another, love one another, encourage one another, etc. You are called to be equipped to minister to one another. Some people might say, well, you know, our church, they're just not growing spiritually. And then in saying that, you're indicting yourself. Or, hey, we got to really reach lost people. Why, why aren't we evangelizing? Maybe Pastor Sam's got to go out and do that more. You're indicting yourself. Right? You, you are called to do the role of the ministry. I'm called to equip you for the role, for the work of the ministry. This is the call. You build one another up. You, you, you're called by God to be equipped, to gather together, to meet with one another, to encourage one another, and to build each other up. This is why God's given you spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are never for the person by themselves, and they're never meant for the, the secular world primarily. So God, when you're born again, he gives you gifts, and they're supposed to be used for the body of Christ, for the building it up, and we hijack them, and then we take them to the secular world for primarily our workplaces. God has given you spiritual gifts for the building up of one another. And so then when we withhold those or we use those for other purposes, then the body of Christ is never built up. This also comes with, uh, there's a necessary of gathering together. It's so important that your church attendance is a, a primary concern for you. I don't, it doesn't matter what the culture does. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. You need to be here every Sunday, unless you're sick or on vacation. Even then, be careful. You can't build another person up if you're not gathering with each other. And so your absence really hurts the body of Christ. But when we look at it in a way that we are consumers, then we don't see that. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, we even think about the age-specific gatherings that happen on the last Sunday evening of every month here. And some parents say, I wish my child could gather with more people their age. And, but the attendance on Sunday evening, that last Sunday, is incredibly low. Where are you? If you care that much about it, you should be in here in the times in which the elders put forth to help you grow. And that should be a priority. What else is the priority? This is important. This is what the body of Christ is called to be for holiness, for the glory of God, for your protection, for the sanctification of the saints, for the building up of the global body and for the lost world to see this picture. All these people running around everywhere, using their gifts, ministering to each other, growing, submitting to leadership, etc., 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 and them watching and saying, this is what the gospel is. This, is must, this must be what Christ is like. They see this picture of it functioning properly, and they see the body of Christ tangible. As parents, we should care about our children being connected to this biblical body of Christ, and that means you must care about it. Because one of the issues is that as parents, we are not spiritual, if we were to be honest. And that's why our children are not becoming spiritual. Don't 
don't think that it's another, that there's another problem. Hebrews 10.25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near as the world gets worse and as we get closer to the return of Christ especially, we must meet together and encourage one another. A truly saved parent understands the obedience and the benefits of their children being connected to the body of Christ and therefore cares deeply, deeply about it. If you are are absent or absent-minded or careless about this connection to the local body, that is exactly what your child will learn. They care deeply about having their children learning to love Christ's body. To be inseparable from it. John 13 says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The call of the Christian is to love and to minister to the other believers in the body and the world will see that we are his disciples. Children should be taught this. Now, here's where we go next. I believe that if God has ordained something that we should care deeply about and be called to obey uh, completely, then I believe that he has made clear what it's supposed to look like. If God calls us to obey something clearly, then it's not a mystery to figure it out. It's not like a puzzle. If God calls us to obey, then I believe he makes clear what that's supposed to look like. Right? I once heard a pastor talk about the understanding the will of God. And sometimes we walk around saying, I just wonder what the will of God is in my life for this or for that, etc. And I can tell you, let me help you with this. The first place you look when you think about the will of God is the revealed will of God. So before you go out and ask questions about the extracurriculars, like my job, etc., you first look at the revealed will of God. You want to know God's will? Open these, book, this, these pages, this book. Read it. He's got very clear will that you would be saved, that you would walk with Christ, that you would be made new, that you would evangelize, that you would make disciples, that you would be made holy. This is the revealed will of God. You spend your whole life following that. And then what do you do next? What do you do next? Well, then next, if it doesn't violate this or conscience, you do what you want. That's what you do anyway. That's how it functions, really, right? You do what you desire. I desire to marry this person. I desire to move here. I desire to have this job. It doesn't violate Bible or conscience. I think this is, could be what the Lord's calling me to. And as you do that, the Lord then directs you. He might shut a door. He might not allow this particular thing to happen. But that's the path. The revealed will of God. If God calls us to some things, he reveals it clearly in his word. We follow that and then we follow Bible and conscience and God guides us through those desires and through circumstances. Can I tell you, if he's made clear that children, families, people who are born again should care deeply about being connected to the body of Christ, then I think he shows clearly as to what it's supposed to look like. Maybe we just haven't looked at it. So this is not some hidden mystery. If we were to care about children being connected to the body, it doesn't make any sense that he would give these instructions as how to live this out in some cryptic, hidden, mysterious way. So let's ask this question. Where do we find that? And the answer is, how how does he make that will known, you say, Sam, if he makes this known, what it should look like? Well, he makes his revealed will clearly known in his word. That's step two. Follow this argument with me. Okay, we start in the beginning. I'm just going to argue all the way through. Right? This is it. So parents should care deeply about their children being connected to the local body. If that's true, then I believe he makes it clear as to what it's supposed to look like. And if that's true, well then, 
We say, where is that found? When God makes his revealed will clear, clear in his word. Parents should find their expectations of this connection to Christ's body in God's word. Simple, right? That's where you find it. It's in this book. You only got one of them. Thank God he only gave us one. And so this is where we find children being connected to the local body and what it's supposed to look like. We don't follow our hearts. We don't follow our own wisdom. We don't follow our own thoughts as to how things would be best. We don't follow expectations of the culture. We don't follow traditions and practices of churches around us. We don't say, well, children need this most and I need that most. And this is what's going to look, work most long term. You know, they need this amount of fun and they this kind of program and this sort of teaching. That's what it's supposed to look like because I think that will work. You don't have the wisdom to do that. You feel that in the moment. But don't trust in that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He'll make your path straight. Proverbs 3. You don't have the understanding to determine what that's supposed to look like. You need to trust God at his word. Right? Hebrews 1 says this. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Meaning this, before this is how it used to work. God used to make his revealed will known to his people through his prophets. That's how they would, they would speak the word of God to them. And now we have this closed canon. We have the word of God written. And this is how now we follow his revealed will through his, what he has shown us in his son, in the word of God. God speaks to his people through the word. Psalm 119, 105, your lamp, uh, your word is a what? A lamp to my feet and is what? Light to my path. It shows me where to go. It, it lights up my path. God gives us direction in his word. And John 17, 17 says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We must trust that God's word is authoritative. It's true about any given subject. We're sanctified. We're made like Christ. We're called to walk in his ways. We're called to have the mind of Christ. That was what we think like him through the word. Now let's move on in this argument. If saved parents should care about their children being connected to the body. And if God always makes clear the things that he expects, and if God does this through his word, then what is God's revealed will for children in the body of Christ? According to his word. That would be the next logical question. If, if, he, if we should care about this, this is obedience. And if he makes what he requires clean, clear and plain, and if he does that through his word, the next logical question would be, well, what does he say? What does he say in his word about children being connected to the body of Christ? Well, that's why, number three, children connecting to the body of Christ. What does the word say about it? Well, we'll just start briefly with how they become connected to the first thing we mentioned, which is the saved church. How do they become connected to the saved church? Well, the answer is simple. Because it's the same way that anybody becomes connected to the body of Christ. And that's through the gospel. Through the word of God. That's how anybody, no matter your age, becomes connected to the saved church, to the body of Christ. That one would realize their sin. And that one would say, my sin is an offense against God. And agree with that. That's a miracle. Because what the Bible says before that is we're blind to it. We walk, we don't even know that we're walking apart from God, we don't even know our own sin. We don't call it that sin, right? That's why even evangelism is, is offensive. I heard someone say recently, you know, it'd be, it'd be easy if, if you, if, why is evangelism so hard? Well, if you told someone that, you know, there was a, you know, a mound of, of, uh, of money, you know, in the next, you know, next street over and it was true, I mean, you could easily go tell everybody about that and it would be fine, you know? But if you're telling somebody that they're a sinner, Right? 
It's not, the gospel starts with the fact that we are sinful. It's not good news, it's offensive. And it's, and it's the most offensive message because it's an, eternally, it's an eternal sinfulness towards a, an eternal God, unless Christ uh, changes our nature and saves us. So this is, a, this is an offensive message, right? But that's what we must come to realize if, if we are to trust in Christ is that we're sinful and that we're guilty before God but that Christ has come and died for us. And that if we would trust in his sacrifice and turn away from our sin, that he would save us. We'd be born again. He'd put his spirit inside of us. He'd regenerate us. He'd make us new. And we'd be with him one day in eternity. This is how someone comes to faith. Romans 10 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through what? The word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And the literal translation of this, faith comes through hearing, literally translated, the word about Christ. The word about Christ. That's how someone comes to saving faith. The word about Christ. Therefore, parents, your job is to teach your child the word about Christ. What he's done, this is the word in all of its content, right? The whole word, verse after verse after verse. Listen, as we know that all scripture points us to Christ, all of it. This is how your, your, your child will learn the word about Christ. You know, I just have a suggestion. Casey and I were talking about it. And I think so often what happens is we get, you know, as parents, we, we maybe even try to do this and try to teach our kids about the Lord. And we, we try to figure out what's the best new children's books that have come out. What's, you know, what, what is the latest tactic or how can we do this or how can we do that? And all the while, this is where the real power lies. What if tonight you just started or tomorrow this week and you opened up and, and this is what I think we're going to do. My, Casey and I, we're going to open to the book of first John. Right, And every night I want to just sit with them or every other night, whatever it may be, and they can see us open the word of God together. They see this Bible in hand and you just take verse by verse until you're finished. Maybe it takes you a year. But they see a cohesiveness. They understand a book. They understand the gospel. And they understand the word concerning Christ, which is the contents of the entirety of the Bible. They see how things are put together, fit together, and how this whole word points us to Christ. You know, uh, a pastor said one time that God hasn't given us a, a topical index, right? If, it was a, if, if that's how he wanted us to treat this thing, then this whole thing would be a topical index. If we were going to just address topics. How did he do this? He made one whole book made up of books. So it would make sense that we would go through these books as a collective unit that have context and background, are written to a certain people about particular things. So maybe take a, a book of the Bible and continue to teach your child through that. That's the word about Christ. The whole Bible will be about that. Jesus says this, or it says this in Luke 24 about Jesus. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, when Jesus was on earth, here's what he did. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus stood up in the synagogue. He opened the law. He interpreted it, which is preaching, exposition, to interpret, explain what the meaning is, and how all of it pointed to who? Himself. And I love how it says this, because it says, beginning with Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Who? Moses. So basically could have said, and beginning with the beginning of the Bible, he showed how the entire Bible pointed to him. That's what we're called to do, beginning with the very first book, parent, verse after verse, through the very last verse of the Bible. All scripture reveals Christ and what it means to be in Christ. Therefore, parents, it is your job to teach your child the word about Christ. Now, secondly, what does the Bible reveal about how children are to connect with the local assembly? And we'll stay under point three and under the second subpoint for the rest of our time. Well, as we look at this, right, 
we should be parents who care about our children being connected to the body of Christ, if we should care and be obedient to this, I think God makes it plain. If he makes it plain, where is that found? Well, he makes all of his revealed will plain in his word. Well, if that's the case, what does his word say about a child being connected to the body of Christ? Well, we saw what it looks like for them to be connected through salvation, and now what does it look like for them to be connected to the local assembly? Well, the first thing we see is that there's no distinction. There's no distinction. So as we think about a child connected to the body, within the body of Christ, the first thing that we see is that there should not be, there is no distinction. No distinction. There's no separation here. There's no uh, kids over here, parents over here. There is never a place in the New Testament where children are pictured or instructed to be or addressed separate from the corporate gathering and their parents. In fact, what we see is the exact opposite. Children are addressed in the larger gathering. And this goes back even to the Old Testament. Let me show you a few pictures. Exodus chapter 13, verse 14. And when in time to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. A child is witnessing some evidence of what the Lord had done in the past, part of the congregation of Israel. And when the, Lord, when the child asks the father, what does this mean? The parent gives the instruction. It's not that the child is not able to see certain things or aspects or learn certain aspects of what the Lord has called Israel to at certain times until they get old enough. Let me show you some more clear pictures. Joshua 8, chapter 30, uh, verse 35. Children, we are to see, uh, 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 I'm sorry, there is not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all Israel and the assembly of Israel, and the women, and the little ones, and the sojourners who lived among them. Children were to see themselves as part of this congregation of Israel. He, Joshua read the law of, from Moses before the entire assembly, the women, the little ones, the sojourners. They were all there. He didn't say, you know, uh, I want to read this, but uh, let's give a varied or reduced or changed or altered or spliced or reorganized or more acceptable form of this so that they could understand. Their understanding would accumulate over the course of time. As they read the law of Moses, the word of God to the entire assembly, children included. Right? No concern was mentioned about whether it was on their level or he, he didn't bring the law into their world. He brought them into the world of the law. And they're hearing this over and over again and being explained by their parents while they're listening and while they're walking home and while they're in the home. It would reinforce and it would further explain and be a launching pad for further instruction. This is how it's supposed to work. Right? This is how it's called to work. That's why we have... Are, are, are really standing on the fact that the word of God calls children to be with their parents in worship, to hear the word of the Lord unhindered. Think about this. Think about in the traditional model that we see. Do you know your child typically won't see a parent in corporate worship until sixth grade? That's insanity. That's insanity. They won't be with their parent in corporate worship until sixth grade. We've already lost the battle. The assembly of people, the congregation included the elders, the children, the infants, even the infants who were still nursing. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now you might say, well, how does this show us that? Well, the letters in the New Testament were written to the church by whoever the writer was. This is Paul, right? To be read out loud to the gathered congregation. And so Paul addresses children and fathers in the same way as though both would be listening. A, a seamless transition from one to the other. Like this. Fathers? Children? Right? 
We see the same type of thing again in Colossians chapter three. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord. So as this was read to the church in Colossians, this is what was said. uh, Wives, Husbands, children, fathers, bondservants, all of them, listening, taking heed, right? Now, one last image. Stay with me. Moving fast, but we're going to be done in just a little while. One last one, though, you're familiar with. Matthew chapter 19. The children, they were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. This is Jesus, right? They're bringing their children to Jesus. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he went away. Now, this is very interesting because in Matthew 19, Jesus is teaching large crowds. A lot of people are there, right? And after he is done, parents bring their children to Jesus, asking Jesus to pray for the children. That's a good thing, right? The child was probably there with the parent, listening to Jesus, right? Sitting perfectly still, I'm sure. Not running around or asking questions, right? Or saying they need a snack. I mean, how many snacks can kids eat, right? I don't even know how they can fit that in. I'm like, there's no more room left in there. So we can assume that the children were part of this larger group as they were listening, and we can assume that they were with their parents, and then we assume that parents cared enough to bring their children to Jesus so that Jesus could pray over them. And then the disciples, we see, attempted to make a distinction, to enforce a separation, to make a division For those whom they thought were old enough to experience certain aspects of Christ's ministry and those who weren't. And Jesus rebukes this notion. So first we see that there's never any biblical picture shown or any instruction given to us that children should be in some different separation from the congregation, and we see the exact opposite. Now, I want to close with these things for the next 15 minutes or so. Why do we see this? Well, I think it begins with three categories, and I want to close with these. First, God's will for the church. Second, God's will for the parent. And third, God's will for the child. I'm moving along the argument in this way. Saved parents should care about their child in corporate worship. If that's obedience, if that's what God reveals as his will is called parents to, then he makes that plain. And if he makes that plain, he makes it plain in his word. And if his word makes that plain, well, then what does it say? And it says first that there's no distinction. And then we ask the question, well, why isn't there any distinction? And I think it deals with these three aspects, God's will for the church, number one, God's will for the parent, number two, and God's will for the child, number three. So let's make these clear and then uh, by taking them one at a time for the remainder of our time. Number one, God's will for the church. What's God's will for the church? Well, listen now, as I told you earlier, this is how the church is supposed to function. It's supposed to be concerned about its holiness. It's supposed to be saved people that are built up under leadership, guiding them under the authority of the truth of the word, being equipped to minister to one another, evangelize the lost world. As it does, it's built up as it keeps itself pure. His bride is made holy. And then it goes to be with Jesus when, when the time's out, right? This is how it's supposed to function. Shepherds, teachers, teaching the word of God. And you know, uh, I've been saying this to a bunch of people because I've, I've just been shocked by it recently that I heard that the first words in the, in the uh, New Testament, particularly about the local church, are Jesus' words in chapter 18 of the book of Matthew, which are about church discipline. Jesus' first words about the church are not 
How do we make this place a little bit more you know, acceptable, accepting in the sense that people who don't know Christ would like to come in and, and they feel like they're right at home. They feel like they fit right in. That's not what he said. He says, how do we make this place pure? Here's how. We keep it full of saved people who truly know the Lord. That's the true church. And we keep it holy. That's the body of Christ. That's what looks different from the world. That's the separation. The church is the called out ones. The separate ones, the called out people. That's what he calls of the church. It's supposed to be this, this picture. And as it ministers to one another, it builds itself up. And again, the world sees this, this picture of what the church is supposed to be. This is a holy people, a called out one being built up for the day of Christ. That's what the church is. Now you might, you know, some people say, well, what about the lost people? They come in here, they feel like they're not part of it. They won't come back. Well, the lost person, if you're lost in here or if, if a lost person comes in here, they should feel like they're not part of it. They should feel foreign. They should feel foreign. This should feel like a different set of rules. You don't want them to fit right in and feel like they got, they're accepted already, that they're already part of the body of Christ if they're not, because then there's no decision that has to be made. That's why we stick to the word and they realize this is a different set of rules. This is something I don't know. I got to make some decision if I want in. The worst thing you, gotta, you can do is make them feel that that's, that's not necessary. So this is important. This is the responsibility of the church to equip the people. There's more than that, but equipping, right? And so, and so this includes equipping parents to minister to their own children. The responsibility for children is, I mean, for parents is instructing their own children. The church is not meant to replace this role. It's meant to assist this role. Parents are called to, to equip their own children, to build them up, to lead them in the faith. And then the church is called to come along and equip them to do that. And then the church body comes along and they build each other up while they're doing that. They say, are you having a hard time with this, man? I'm having a hard time with this. I feel like my child's never going to come to faith. You feel like that too? Yeah, I feel like that too. And you, you build one another up. That's why, again, attendance is so important. If you're not here, you're not building somebody else up. You got to do this. This is what the calling is. And so you build one another up and, and, it's, and there's equipping taking place. In this, and children and parents are equipped to be the primary disciplers of their children. Therefore, the pattern shouldn't be. I'm so glad that we're going to get some kind of teaching, you know, in a classroom on Sundays to do what I can't do, you know, by those professionals. Listen to me. That is not what you want to think. First of all, I didn't go to school for childcare. The pastor's called to feed the flock with the word. So we're not experts at childcare. At, at putting on some kind of program or event. That's not what the call of the church is. If you feel like you're gifted at that, then, then you can be, then come up to us and we'll say, hey, how can we use your gifting? But our pastoral elders are meant to feed the flock with the word. That's how you, remember when Jesus said, hey, Peter, you love me? Feed my sheep. We lead by feeding. The word of God leads you as I just tell it to you. Right? And by the way, I think you really overestimate what's happening in those classrooms. You come out, they got a, chill, they got a piece of paper with color on it. You say, wow, they're really growing. <laughs> that doesn't mean they're growing. But when they're in here and they're seeing things and they don't, might not understand everything, but it's accumulating and they're watching real people, real adults, serious about the word of God. This guy up here yelling, we don't even know what he's saying. Right. And but they understand the word. They see the worship and they start to understand bits and pieces and accumulates over years and years and years and years. Listen, this is what matters. The word of God is going to do that transformative work, not coloring pieces of paper. And it needs to come from elders and it needs to come connected to from the, the, the corporate body. This is important. Now, listen, we should as a room for classrooms. Sure. You know how it should work? Deacons are called by God. their servants to assist the elders. Elders are leading by feeding. And, and uh, we see in Acts chapter six that these deacons come alongside and serve the tables, not because they're worse or less, but because there's different various roles. And so we got people in here who are gifted at a bunch of different things. And some people might be gifted at having children in classrooms. And they say, I just love holding babies. I love it. I can hold a baby forever, right? Or some people say, I love teaching little children. And that's, we say, that's great. You should do that. We need to use our gifts. But can I tell you, I don't think it's wise nor it's biblical for that to happen on every Lord's Day, every Sunday for the duration of their childhood. 
We can do that in supplemental times, like on Sunday evenings when we gather age-specific gatherings. We have age-specific gatherings and parent equipped. You should be here every Sunday evening if you call this your church and you're under the local leadership here. You should be here every Sunday evening and every Sunday morning. You need to gather. We need more gathering, not less. Right? But can I tell you this? One of the times in which can supplement a Sunday morning. They shouldn't be hearing something different from the rest of the church all of the time. It's not doing any good. And can I tell you also, this must be a supplement to what the parents are doing with the Bible and their children seven days a week. This can't be what you expect to feed your children. This is not, this is not, what, it's called, this is not what the church is called to do. We should experience this together. Can I tell you? That this all started really, I think, in the 1960s with a man named Robert Schuller who kind of started the seeker movement. And the idea was this. We can't expect lost people to kind of come in the church and meet the expectations of what God calls for parents. Their kids are going to be crazy. Well, sure, if a lost person comes in here, listen, their kids are going to be crazy. And you're going to hear them and you're going to be like, mm, what that kid doing, right? But listen, you endure that for a little while. They keep hearing the word of God. Then they apply the word of God to their parenting and things start to change. Right? You don't tell them that they need to, you don't take away the requirements for them to become more Christ-like, you know, in, in order to lessen it for them, and then they never become what God needs them to become. So it's like, you know, in COVID right now, you, you, with dealing with COVID, the, the putting out someone on a ventilator is the last option because you need their lungs to be strong enough to actually breathe on their own, right? And so you don't want to put a ventilator on because it actually hinders their long-term health. And if we just say, hey, they're, not, they're lost people, they're not going to do it, so let's just replace it for them, then they never, ever become what God needs to, calls them to become. Right? This is the call. This is the call. Can I tell you, if your child, your six-year-old child at first grade is in this room and, can't, and, and you, they can't be obedient for one hour out of the week to hear the word of God, the classroom is not going to fix it. That's not the answer. There's more to it than that. It's your parenting. You can do it. But the class, don't say, oh, if they had the classroom. That's not the answer. Remember the old days in the Puritans? You know, they would look down the, the pew and look at the, the child. You know, little Johnny would see mom and she'd get that eye and he'd be like, you know, straighten right up. This is the call. And the call for parents is then to submit to eldership. Hebrews 13, listen, obey your leaders. Submit to them. They're keeping watch over your souls. They're going to be the ones who have to give an account. Do this with joy, not with groaning. That would be of no advantage to you. I love that verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter 5, this is our role, shepherd the flock that's, over, that's under you, exercising oversight, right? Not under compulsion, not you know, willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain eagerly, not domineering over them, being examples. This is why membership is important. Can I tell you this? That's why at the end of this service, at the end of the previous service, you know, we had children up here at the end of the previous service, this first service today, and we'll have more at the end. And you say, these kids are taking a step in the milestone journey. They're moving on in this, but it's only for members' children. And you say, oh, well, but what about my children? Listen, we want your children to be part of this, and we want you to be part of this, right? But can I just tell you, it would be impossible to truly commit ourselves to you and say, we will guide you and be by your side as you walk through this journey with your child to be the primary discipler of your children if you don't, if you don't commit to being under leadership in the local church. We might tell you, you know, six months down the road, hey, dis you, there's discipline, right? That's what the Bible tells us. And you might go tell the news reporter, hey, do you know what they do at that church? You know, if, you're, if, if your instruction is not coming from the word of God yourself, right? Like we're telling you, you get discipline, we, we need discipline. They say, well, they, they, you know, they're doing something ungodly over there, you know? No, that's just what the word of God says. But if that's not your authority, then we can't shepherd you within that. And if you're not committed to walk with that, we can't see that through long term. We want you to be part of that, but you got to be you got to be part of that. Now, let me tell you this. Uh, we're going to just give me five minutes and let's knock these these next next two out. We'll be done. But God, this deals with God's will for the parent. So it deals with God's will for the parent, the parent. OK, let me tell you this. It's easy to see now what the role of the parent is and what the role of the church is. And the role of the parent is to primary primarily to disciple their kids. Now, I just want to address a few things, and we'll move on to the child. Let's just address two things there, and we'll be done. Parents, some parents may think, well, my kids are in there. I don't get anything out of it. 
All right, I have to help them adjust every two minutes. Well, there's a few things here that I want to say. First of all, you should think, number one, more holistically than that about what it means to get something out of it. Because maybe what God's growing you in is your patience and your willingness to be interrupted and your selflessness. You gotta think more holistically about this. You may be hearing bits and pieces out of the word, but God is growing you in more than just that way. Right? Number two, secondly, I think you should, you should assess your definition about what it means to get something out of it. Because get something out of it, you know what you should expect? You should expect, if I understand this passage and its true meaning by the author's intention, and I can understand, meditate, ponder this passage, and I understand what it means, and I can share it with others, you've got something out of it, right? It does, if, if you say, well, you, you know, it just didn't connect. I, I'm not, it doesn't speak to me. That's not the goal of exposition. It does that as you meditate over the word of God, but the, the, your goal is to understand the meaning of the text. I think you can do that by being interrupted. Thirdly, I think you should trust God with your intermittent listening, knowing he's gonna do more than you think he's gonna do. Can I tell you one time we were in Florida, I was upstairs, I was so convinced of this apartment in Florida, I was so convinced God was calling me to pray about some things, I was super burdened, I grabbed the keys, I told Casey, I'm walking out the door, I'm gonna go down by the pool, sit by the hot tub, pray about these things that I'm so burdened on, and right as I'm walking out the door, my, my daughter tugs on my shirt, says, Daddy, can I come with you? Girl, you know I'm going to pray, right? Right, that's what I'm thinking in my mind. Well, I thought to myself, we were memorizing a passage, love your neighbor as yourself, and I thought, well, I want to spend time with my father, and so does she, right? So I let her come down with me, and I sat there, and I prayed, and, and uh, inter, inter, you know, interrupted a few times by, by various things that she was asking me, right? And um, lizards, you know, lizards were over there, et cetera, and she's asking me, you know what? I, I finished that in a little bit, and I was driving that day, and I got a phone call, and God answered my prayers that exact same day for what I pray. It doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes he answers immediately. You know what I want? I, I thought, God can answer intermittent, interrupted prayer. And he can do the same thing with your listening. Fourth, I want to tell you this. These years don't last forever. Your child soon enough will be old enough to understand everything in this service. Fifth, I want to tell you, listen, if Sunday is your only Bible intake, then it will feel like you're starved if you can't pick up every word that's being preached. You gotta study the word day after day. And six, let me tell you this. Your children seeing the church as it's supposed to be and seeing you worship is of far more importance than you, than you uh, missing a couple words here and there. Parent, your life is not your own. That's what you signed up for, right? Let me show you this. Look at, look at the results. 2 Timothy 1.5. Paul writes to Timothy, I'm reminded about your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, now I'm sure dwells in you as well. His faith was passed down, mom, grandmother to mom, to, to, to Timothy. Paul says this even later on, but as for you, continue what you've learned from whom you believe, knowing from whom you learned it, how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. As, ch as a child, they be want we want them to become acquainted with the sacred writings. Now, let me just say this and we'll be done. What's third, the God's will for the children? And uh, let me tell you this, there's two aspects. First is this, a child should see their parents' faith I'm gonna skip a bunch of verses and I'm just gonna tell you the, the ideas. Secondly, the child should witness a biblical church. The child should see the parent's faith and the child should witness a biblical church. That's what you want. That's, that's the goal for the child. The child is a learner. The child is a learner. 2 Timothy 2 says this, think over what I say, Timothy. The Lord will give you understanding and everything. That's kind of the picture of a child, right? So let them keep over the years thinking, thinking, thinking and that it would, they would grow. They're gonna accumulate this knowledge, okay? Last verse, 1 Peter 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that's the word, that by it you may grow up. This is the goal for children, to grow up underneath their parents and underneath the word. Now, I went over on time. Thanks for letting me do that. I got the mic, so you don't have a choice, but <laughs> church, let this become your conviction let this become your conviction about what the word says and how this is all supposed to work. And therefore, those convictions will lead you in the weak moments 
in the weak moments. This week, we're going to post a few practical tips um, on our social media about how you can prepare every week for your child being in service with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it guides us. Thank you for how it instructs us in ways that we don't know. I pray by your mercy that you would help us to follow your instructions. I pray that we would be what you will the church, the local church to be. And I pray that we would be what you will parents, as parents that we should be. And I pray that we be what you will for children to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.